What are the top privacy and security concerns of some healthcare organization CIOs this year? I'm Marianne Kolbesek McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Kurt Kwok, CIO at ProLiance Surgeons, which operates 100 care centers in Washington State, including medical clinics, ambulatory surgery centers, physical and occupational therapy clinics, and imaging centers. Kurt will be discussing some of the top privacy and security challenges he sees facing the healthcare sector this year, as well as some of his predictions and priorities for 2016. So now, Kurt, to start, in the big picture, what do you see as some of the top privacy and security challenges facing the healthcare sector these days? I know it's an annual thing about privacy and security concerns in healthcare. The, the core theme has not changed, at least in my lens. It's all about patient health records and how to secure them. And I, I've seen a lot of my peers integrate their systems to have a better handle on how to secure data. But I, I think some of the other healthcare systems and clinics out there who have not fully integrated yet still have a tough time managing data from disparate systems and non-standardized systems. So finding a way to centralize finding a way to secure common data sets and managing them as needed. So now, Kurt, looking ahead to 2016, what are some of your predictions? Are there any new privacy or security challenges that you think will emerge for the healthcare sector this year? Anything that is particularly disturbing in terms of the trends that we saw in 2015 continuing into 2016? Marianne, a lot of the concerns and challenges we've had in the past are are still in front of us, so we still need to keep fighting them and and mitigate them. The trends I've seen, even in non-healthcare sectors and industries, uh, are are very disturbing, like the big breaches at Primera, Anthem, and even in retail like Target, as an example. So we just continue to stay on top of what we do and what we know and and just try to follow uh, the best practices in the industry. Uh, keep talking with key vendor partners as well as my peer CIOs to share best ideas and best practices and continue to better what we have. But it, it's just keeping up with all the unforeseen things that seem to come our way. So now, Kurt, for this year, what are some of your top privacy and security priorities at your organization? In our organization this year, we are looking to what I call streamlining our security perimeter The way our architecture is structured, we have a number of firewalls for critical access, and also we have services for things like intrusion detection and intrusion protection. And what we're trying to do this year is to collapse those into a more manageable and centralized management platform so that everything is centralized, standardized, so we have better visibility and really improved way of managing all the security-related data and data sets that come our way. So this should really help us get on the right foot this year, and really set us up for the future. Kurt, as a CIO in healthcare, how much of your time is generally spent on dealing with privacy and security-related matters? For instance, does your organization have a chief information security officer, or is that part of what you do as a CIO? I would say it's part of what I do, but we do have now in-house security practice. We started that practice about a year ago, and I was able to bring in a very seasoned security architect in-house last year. He also worked with the state of Washington and and with federal government, so he's got security background dealing with bodies like the IRS and CMS, which really helps to bolster our understanding and our planning around securing our environment. 
So to answer your first question about how much of my time would be dedicated toward security and compliance, I wouldn't say it's a whole lot compared to my operational commitments to this organization and political as well as just developing this organization as a whole. But it's definitely a critical part of of what I do in this organization, and it's always on the priority list when we do discuss strategies down the road. So I can't give you a clear breakdown on what percentage, but I wouldn't say it's majority, but definitely very, very important. So now, Kurt, when it comes to privacy and security talent and skills in your organization, what are you having the most difficulty in finding? You mentioned that you had hired an architecture person last year. Are there other skills that you're looking to add to the security and privacy area? Well, prior to hiring that architect in, it was very difficult because you had on one side very, very intelligent and educated and academic security professionals with very little day-to-day operational knowledge. And then you got, on the other side, very operationally based and has hands-on, but lack the academic and really the true knowledge of security, security trends, and things like that. The people with the right mix of the talent just don't seem to be available, at least from my lens and what I went through last year. So I actually had to go out and after someone I knew and someone I work with who I knew had the talent and the skill set that I was looking for to try to attract him into our organization. And fortunately, I was able to do that. Now, to augment to that, what we've been doing was utilizing his talents to sort of build a program, security program here at ProLiant Surgeons, and then leverage the technical skill sets of some of our senior engineers to really broaden the reach and also the overlooking aspects of security practices here at ProLiance Surgeons. What about medical devices? Now, your organization has 100 or more facilities. How do you deal with cybersecurity of medical devices that are spread out in so many locations? What are some of the biggest challenges that you face in that area? It's a huge challenge because of the quantity of care centers that we do have uh, with the small uh, group of IT professionals that we have to manage all those care center sites. So one of the biggest challenges that we we are continuing to mitigate but have a better handle on over, over time is the fact that the practice of the care centers going out and purchasing and bringing in their own medical device has slowed down pretty significantly. So now it goes through what I call IT steering committee and then we go through a standardization process to make sure we go after medical devices that are known and also we have a way in managing them. So in other words, we're minimizing the disparate systems out there at the care centers because the last thing we need is a, a rogue medical device coming in unprotected and really passing data back and forth into wherever it sends the data without us knowing. So now the practice is, as part of the architecture review, is we bring in, we assess, we architect the medical device to make sure it fits into our security model, and then we help deploy with the partnership with the care centers to make sure it still does what it's supposed to do, but it's fully protected within our architecture. So now, Kurt, Congress has been focusing a lot of attention these days on electronic health record interoperability and secure data exchange. What challenges do you deal with when your organization tries to electronically exchange patient data with other entities that are either part or not part of ProLiance Surgeons? How big of a challenge is that? And what are some of the issues that you'd like to see get cleared up perhaps by some of the vendors in this area? 
you know, the time I've been in healthcare, which is now a long time, is that we really haven't made that much stride in standardizing data formats for data exchange. I still see data being passed that are not within the standardized uh, method. And data exchange is still very difficult, at least in my mind, in healthcare. And it also varies by state. Some states do really well. Some states do not. And some of the practices I've seen, at least uh, in this state, is the healthcare systems actually go out and standardize their own platform and build their own in-house healthcare data exchange. So I think it's still a challenge. And I don't know what the silver bullet or the solution to that is. There are a lot of vendors out there who actually knock on our doors to offer data exchange solutions or, in other words, data interface solutions or data translation services that would help pull data from disparate services and systems and massage the data and present data in a very formatable and acceptable way. But even then, you have your challenges with data relations and really the format of the data. Also, the partnership groups like partner hospitals and partner clinics play a bigger role in it. Some are very open to interfacing their data with our data, but some are not. And also, the culture of our organization tends to sort of, I wouldn't say get in the way of it, but it does pose a challenge in managing the data in a way that I, I think we all had envisioned three or four or five years ago with uh, HIE. So I guess the bottom line is we still have a long ways to go. We've made some strides, but I think it's still a challenge. Now, Kurt, there's also been renewed calls from some groups, including CHIME, the College of Healthcare Information Management Executives, and some other organizations mm-hmm. for a national patient identifier. How do you tackle the challenge of correctly matching patients with the correct records? How big of an issue is that for you on a day-to-day basis? Oh, it's it's a big challenge because at the end of the day, if you screw that up, then you're screwing up your patient, and that's the last thing we want to do. And I think it's a challenge that's not going to go away anytime soon, uh, starting with the primary care and how they manage physician from the get-go and how that gets translated to the hospital that's treating the patient and any surgical procedures that we provide on top of that. I think there needs to be a way to standardize how we're going to identify a patient in a a simple and very clear way. I'm not sure if that's just cleaning up the template or cleaning up the modifier or cleaning up the identifier and everybody agreeing to it, or or do we sort of segment it by certain areas of the country? I don't know. It's it's a big question, and it's something that we really need uh, because I've heard challenges from my peer partners and peer hospital systems or clinics in trying to manage uh, duplicate patient records and and sometimes triplicates and beyond. So it's a big challenge, but we're, we're doing our best working with our healthcare partners and, and systems that we partner on a daily basis with other way to authenticate or, or identify a patient. Finally, Kurt, any other key privacy or security issues that you're looking at tackling this year or hope that the industry will do a better job in tackling? Yeah, one of the things that we have looked into and also gone through late last year has been just the the way uh, malware has been advancing, not the way of making a breach into organization systems or whatnot, but just the way it's advancing in form and, and also method. So I know this goes just way beyond healthcare industry, and I think especially in financial 
is just just being aware that there is malware out there that's advancing in form and look, and and just educating our users to look, keep a lookout for those things, and making sure that they work with their IT organizations to mitigate them before they do any harm. So, uh, in talking with my peer CIOs here in this region about malware, they they all have seen different forms of them, and we all seem to have different ways of mitigating them and identifying them, which is a concern itself because if there isn't a single way of identifying and mitigating these challenges, then they will continue to develop in form, and it will make it that much harder for us to identify and mitigate them. So, So this year, we're going to focus on how to treat and fight and educate our users around malware and attacks in our attacks of our systems and mitigating any data breach in forms through the form of malware. So that's one of the many items that we'll be working on this year with our security professionals in our organization. And in terms of educating the workforce, does it have to do with malware that comes through phishing attacks? That's one of them, phishing attacks. We also have seen forms of uh, ransomware. We have also have seen forms of just general carelessness that I think we could do better on. So it will be what we call mar- a drip marketing here, in, at least in this organization, to continue to remind users what to look out for, what some of the best practices are. And we have some key partnerships with top security organizations in this country that provide us with tips that we turn around and pass along to the masses here in this organization to continue to keep up with the best practices and also what to look out for. Thanks, Kurt. I've been speaking to CIO Kurt Kwok. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.